Hi, my name is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I'm so excited because on Monday, September 3rd, we're having our first Courageous Conversations event. Now, those who have been rocking with us for a while know that we've done Courageous Conversations in the past, but it's been via Google Hangouts where we take a scholar or pastor trained in a more conservative evangelical space and a scholar and pastor trained in a more mainline progressive space. And I'm so excited because we're moving from these Google Hangouts to an actual event that's going to be phenomenal. We have 24 scholars and pastors lined up to talk about things like sexuality, the authority of scripture, justice, Paul versus Jesus. It's going to be amazing. Some of the people that we have are Dr. Judy Finchers, Williams, Dr. Jarvis Williams, Dr. Bruce Fields, Dr. Howard John Wesley, Dr. Delman Coates, Dr. Brianna Parker, Dr. Teresa Fry Brown. I mean, it is going to be amazing. Dr. Yolanda Pierce, you don't want to miss this event. So I want you to go on Jew3Project.com and register early bird registration is only $25 and that is honestly a steal but we wanted to make it reasonable for you all so meet us in Chicago Illinois on Monday September 3rd it's going to be a phenomenal experience I don't think anything like this has ever been done so join us as we make history now let's get to the Jew 3 Project podcast Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today I'm joined by another special guest, a Warner Miller. Welcome, Warner. Hi, hi. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited to have you on. I found out about you uh, when I was with uh, our friends at RZIM last week and KJ, um, that is on the team at RZIM was like, have you ever heard of Warner Miller? You need to, you need to know him. He's gone through our program and I think he would really enjoy the work you're doing. Um, and he's doing some really cool work as well. So KJ connected us. Thank you, KJ, if you're watching this, uh, for the connection. Um, and I asked you to, to be on the podcast to talk about something that, uh, I think is really, really important. But before we get into that, our topic for today, just tell the audience just a little bit about yourself. Okay. We'll do. Uh, well, firstly, I have to tell everyone confesses. I was a follower and admirer of Miss Lisa Fields, as well as the Jew three project for quite some time. So before KJ even mentioned me to, to you, um, I was following you on all the social medias and the, the face, twits and, and and whatnots and YouTube. So it is definitely my <laughs> honor and pleasure to, to be on here. I appreciate the work you do. Um, a little background about myself. I am from Brooklyn, which is where I am now. Uh, from Brooklyn, I am uh, an actor by by trade. That's what I, that's what I do for a living. Uh, professional actor uh, based out of New York. Um, I serve as a youth minister at uh, Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn, New York, uh, where the pastor is Dr. A.R. Bernard. Um, I, as uh, KJ mentioned, I am a, a graduate, uh, fairly recent, of Oxford Center for Christian Apologetics um, at Oxford University. 
in Oxford, England, not Oxford, Pennsylvania. I have to you, you see you laugh, but you don't know how much I have to clarify that to some people. Sometimes I say, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, if it comes up, oh, yeah, I went to Oxford, well, Oxford, Texas, no, Oxford, England, England, England. But um, so yeah, I'm a recent uh, graduate up there, and uh, yeah, and I like Marvel movies, and and I and I love riding my bike, and I'm a jogger, and um, I like to see people. Uh, come into relationship with Christ. That pretty much sums me up. Awesome. Well, tell our audience just uh, some movies that you've been in because they probably recognize you from from right, some. Right. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the well, the biggest movie I was in was uh, American Gangster. That was uh, a couple years ago with Denzel Washington. I played one of his brothers. Um, that was actually my first movie. That was my first movie. Uh, but more recently, the shows that I've been on, I've been on uh, Boardwalk Empire, um, been on uh, Luke Cage. Uh, that's probably the the most recent and the one I get stopped stopped on the street or in the barbershop for. Um, I was the one that killed Pops. I killed Pops. And I, I got definitely, uh, I, I, I got dealt with. But uh, but yeah, that was me. I killed Pops, and um, I actually just got finished rapping a, a new play that's uh, preferably uh, moving to Broadway called uh, "Soul the Stacks Musical" about uh, Stacks Records. So that should be coming uh, uh, fairly soon to Broadway theater in New York uh, soon. But um, but yeah, those are the th- those are the biggest ones that I've been on. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and that goes to a little bit of what we're going to talk about today, apolo- engaging artists with apologetics. I know this is something that's close, near and dear to your heart. And it's kind of the reason you, one of the reasons you got into apologetics. Can you kind of explain um, why apologetics became a passion for you? Um, right. Sure. Well, um, when I, so I, I wasn't born a Christian, uh, you know, I, I came to faith relatively, well, not relatively late, but uh, in my 20s, late teens when I was in college. And um, I was raised in a family that, you know, like, uh, you know, my, my mother was, you know, you know, she was she would say that she was a Christian and and whatnot. Um, but I never really um, affirmed or held to that faith because um, uh you know, I, I don't know if I was discipled or, you know, I just, you know, I, it, it never stuck with me. Um, I, I did have a grandmother that was a praying grandmother that uh, very much deposited um, uh, faith into me and, and, and biblical study. Um, but again, it was never anything that I owned. And, um, and through high school specifically, when I began to kind of, you know, think about these things, um, I definitely passively came to a, I guess, a, an understanding that Christianity was probably something that just people do, you know, because a lot of my interactions with Christians, I mean, not all of them, definitely not all of them, but certainly more than more than a few were, you know, like Christians are, you know, you know uh, most of them don't know what they believe. Um, you know, they, they act one way this day, but then act another way, you know, like they, I was, I was funny, I was just talking to a, a friend of mine, um, who said, you know, I told him, I was like, you know, listen, you know, when I was in high school, some of the, you know, not for nothing, some of the easiest girls were the Christians. 
you know, and 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 that's kind of you know, as a non-Christian, seeing the, the 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 young ladies who on Sundays would be you know doing all the dances, but then every other day they were like the ones that you know, listen, if you want to you know do some those ones, you know, that's kind of the mindset I grew up with, and and the men, you know, just were not were were not I I didn't find many strong male Christian uh, people that I could you know refer to. Um, not to say there weren't any, but definitely not a lot. So uh, something happened uh, to me my senior year in high school as I was graduating. It was, you know, one of those profound moments where you, you know, God, if you get me out of this thing, you know, I promise I'll, you know, and, and not for nothing in my 18-year-old mind, I was sincere, you know, as sincere as I could be at 18 years old, you know, and I, and I said that, God, if you get me out of this situation, that I, of my own doing, that I would find out who you are, it was, they were, you know, because I always did believe that there was a God. I always, I never, I never disbelieved the existence of a higher power, but, um, but I didn't know whether, you know, who it was, he was, she was, they were, you know, um, so by the grace of God, you know, the, the circumstance of my own making, I was saved from, and um, I, committed to what I said and I was going to, you know, search out who this higher power was. And, and, you know, it was through a long series of events when I was in college. Um, I eventually came to believe that Jesus Christ, the, the person of Jesus Christ was exactly who he said he was, um, that he was God, that he was savior, that he was redeemer. Um, and the irony of all of this is because again, especially when I got to college, I had already again, passively, uh, decided that Christianity probably wasn't true. Um, again, just because, you know, like when I would engage with like, you know, Rastas and when I would engage with like, you know, Buddhists or, or, or like atheists and something like that, you know, they seemed, they were very knowledgeable about why, or at least, at least in my 18, 19, 20 year old head, very knowledgeable of why they didn't believe or did, or did believe this. And the Christians in my life, or at least most of them, really the the breadth and width of their apologetic reason for why they believe what they believe is because you know god is good you don't know what he did in my life which all are you know are, are legitimate are legitimate um but for someone who was seeking they really didn't answer the questions of why why jesus and not muhammad you know why jesus and not buddha why jesus and not krishna you know um their their explanations at least to, to me were very subjective so going to your question, so when ironically I did finally come to Christ, um, it was very important to me to not only understand that I believed it, but why I believed it. Um, not just for the other people. In fact, they came secondarily first for me, because even when I did come to Christ, I still had doubts. I still had, I still uh, would not call myself a Christian because I didn't want to be associated with what I believe to be, you know, hypocrisy and the established church and, and all this other stuff. You know, I remember like, I used to call myself a disciple, you know, I'm, I'm a, and that sounded cooler in my head. You know, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. The notion of being called a Christian would, would mean, you know, succumbing to, you know, the oppressors, you know, religion or, you know, or, you know, just, just being a part of this thing that I didn't want to be a part of. And um, so again, it was very important to me, for me, that I, that reason was attached to my faith. And that, that 
uh, phrase, reason and faith. Um, although I knew it theoretically, the, the actual wording kind of came to me when, uh, and this is a crazy story, I saw this book on my grandmother's bookshelf called Jesus Among Other Gods. Now, at this point, I, I am a, a follower of Jesus Christ. But again, like I said, I still had doubts. I still probably, if given enough evidence, maybe could have been nudged the other way, maybe. And um, and so I found, I, I saw this book and I'm thinking that this book is about like an expose exposing, you know, Christianity for what it is or exposing Jesus what it is. And it actually ended up being uh, one of the very first um, books or writings that I saw that uh, one came from this man who was actually a thinking Christian, which in my head was almost an oxymoron a little bit, you know, this, you know, he, he was very much an intelligent, you know, uh, reasoned, level-headed thinker, you know, with all these degrees, but he's also an affirming Christian, an evangelistic Christian at that. And, you know, the person is Robbie, Dr. Robbie Zacharias, who would later become one of my professors at, at, um, at Oxford. Um, and, uh, and in, in the book, I believe on page 60 or 63, something like that, at the bottom of the page, it says, faith is not bereft of reason. Faith is not bereft or without reason. And that phrase literally changed my whole paradigm of Christianity. Because I thought even as a believer, I thought that there was a certain amount of, um, you know, for lack of a better phrase, mind checking that you had to do, you know, um that you know there can't there comes a point where you know uh you have to disregard reality and that and by him saying faith is not bereft of reason um it informed me that listen if this is true then it can be poked it can be prodded it can be tested you can raise the hood on it you can check underneath the hood you can kick the tires and if and if it's true it'll withhold and sustain and 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 you know uh stand its ground and from that i became not that i was ever really afraid but i really began to delve into what i would later understand to be apologetics mm -hmm. that is the long story behind it. <laughs> uh well we talked uh, the other day you talked to me about um, the challenges you face engaging artists. And that's really something I want to dive into today because I think artists kind of set the tone for a culture in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Um, and a lot of people, whether they be actors, musicians, um, various types of artists um, kind of dictate where culture goes, it's in, especially in in some forms of be belief systems, sure. in a sense. Um, and when you're engaging artists, um, whether it be actors more so, um, what what is your kind of what do you get from the conversations as far as where most people are with faith? Right. Well, the the again another irony, and maybe this is just how God. Um, and his graciousness kind of deals with me, but many times I'm engaged by people versus me initiating. Although there are those times when I do, um, many times I'm engaged um, because not for nothing, most artists or, you know, I don't want to overgeneralize, but certainly in my experience, most artists are spiritual, you know, um, 
they they're open to talks about spirituality and the universe and and you know and third eye and all these other things. Like Ravi, uh, Dr. Zacharias has this phrase. He says, I don't know if he he's quoting from someone else, but he says, you know, we live in a time, we live in a moment where people can believe anything as long as you don't believe that it's true. Hmm. And that's what I find as like you know um, belief in a higher power. That's fine. Belief in God, even belief in Jesus, that's even fine. I mean, Jesus is an admirable figure. You know, he was he was moral. He's a, you know, he told the truth. He's all about love. And, you know, so even believing in Jesus is, is okay. But the moment you believe in it so much where you're actually willing to articulate and communicate why you believe it, you know, to someone else, then it becomes, wait a minute, you really believe that? You know, you, you really believe it in in, in 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 so much that it actually changes, you know, how you conduct yourself. It changes, you know, uh, you know, uh, or or informs, you know, how you speak and things like that. So in in my engagement, um, you know, most time and most times, if not, I say like maybe ninety eight, ninety nine point uh, percent of the time, it's always civil, like it's never argumentative. Um, you know, sometimes they're, you know, like, you know, we disagree and you go back and forth, but it's, it's never, a, you know, a screaming match or disrespectful is always, you know, um, you know, in, in information sharing, you know, uh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. But what about this? Oh yeah. But I don't like when people do. Oh yeah. But okay. But you know, it's, it's always that sort of, so, um, so that's been my experience, you know, uh, 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 building, you know, chopping it up, you know, uh, you know, talking about, you know, life. And, 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 and one thing that I do notice is that, you know, many artists, you know, whether it be black or white, but, you know, definitely the, uh, a large majority of black artists um, are familiar with the person of Jesus and even Christianity and even church or their perception of church. Um, a lot of people are interested in not, and not so much why does this, why Jesus and not this? Although, I mean, they are interested in that, but more so I, I find they want, okay, I get that you're a Christian. How does this look out there? How does how does a reasoned, uh, devout faith look outside of the four walls of the church? Because all I've seen are weirdos. I'm speaking on there. All I've seen are weirdos. All I've seen are, you know, angry people, you know, shouting what they're against. You know, all I see is, you know, uh, forgive me, all I see is, you know, uh, older white males, you know, that are, you know, are Republicans or something like that. That's all I see. You know, how does how does this what you're talking about uh, translate to everyday life, particularly being an artist, uh, being a, a, a man, being a black man, being at, well, at one time I was single, being a taken, you know, how does, you know, you know, what does that look like? So. So in my experience, that's a lot of the the underlying of it. You know, okay, I get that you're a Christian, but what does that look like? You know, so more of them seeing um, mal Christianity uh, malpractice in a sense, Very and sure. wanting them uh, wanting to see it lived out. Um, orthodoxy is important <laughs> for them. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> more so than they reason. It's like, I can get with it logically and then it, it makes sense to a degree, but I haven't seen anybody actually walk this out outside of the four walls. Yeah, and, and not that, you know, because I've, you know, the first Peter 315, not that we shouldn't have that reasoned 
uh, you know, the ability to 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 think through because that's also what they're they're looking for authentic, you know, people that are authentic, people that are 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 you know, uh, they they've thought through certain things, you know, like how does your you know Christianity look when, when it uh, in regard to uh, uh, the the oppression of minorities or you know what does it look like in politics? What does it look like in uh, in in childcare and healthcare? You know, you know how does that apply um so yeah but but with all of that they also the, the the ability to reason it and to explain it exactly what you believe outside of i believe it because my mommy and daddy you know raised me like that i believe it because i was brought up in the church or raised in church you know those as 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 good as they may be for you that doesn't help anybody or mm -hmm. most people that doesn't help mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's so so crucial. I think um, when I see artists uh, um, that come to church, uh, yeah. often they are kind of treated in in a fan mode. Um, that yeah. preachers sometimes can go fan mode on them and want to highlight that this person was there, uh, right. which doesn't help with them growing the discipleship. If you Right. If you platform a person as soon as they walk in the door, just because they have a platform outside the doors. You know, have you seen that as far as artists saying, you know, I went to church, but when I went, I was treated like a a celebrity and not a person? Well, honestly, so that I haven't gotten. Maybe that's because I'm not like, you know, Will Smith level yet. So, I, I you know, those circles that I run in aren't that big. But um but I, you know, what I do get, I either, I mean, I get a whole bunch of things. I don't want to overgeneralize, but I certainly get the, uh, you know, I was brought up in church. I've, you know, they were only interested in my gift, you know, like, so I could be, I could have whatever sort of lifestyle or do whatever, but, you know, because I sang really, really well, you know, that, you know, and they may not articulate it in that way, but that's kind of the gist of it. You know, my, my, my gift was what was of, you know, value or, you know, um, and, uh, and, and that, you know, that also feeds into the, you know, uh, you know, church as, as, uh, entertainment, you know, church as, you know, this, uh, this machine of just exploiting people's, you know, gifts, you know, without, you know, of, of, of a place that takes, 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 but doesn't really give or doesn't, you know, give any more than just reading a self-help book. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, I, the, I have, I'd also have friends that are, are saved. Um, and, you know, there are times when, you know, and, and I mean, this happened to me, but on far fewer occasions where you do go to, uh, you know, fellowship to worship and 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 you get you know people you know stopping you or you know uh hey man that was a great job you did on this and you know my hands are raised and and prayer and reverence and you know i mean i you know they're it's a genuine appreciation however you know i find that and if and if i'm experiencing it on this level i'm sure people you know higher than me experience it on a bigger level i find that um they forget that you know celebrities artists actors entertainers they need christ too you know um and, and i mean i was gonna say more so but no i mean no more so than than someone else you know like they need christ too 
you know, and 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 many times the the faithful servant, the one who's not famous, the one who's not, you know, in a position of notoriety, those are the ones that the, the faithful witness, those are the ones that whose testimony and, and preaching rings the loudest, you know, because what all they're doing is being faithful. You know, all they're doing is being consistent. All they're doing is being authentic, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers answers the question, but yeah. That helps. Um, so I want to go back to something you said, because I hear a lot of folks say it now. Um, when we talk about the universe, and that seems like a buzzword just for young professionals, artists, Mm -hmm. uh not speaking of god but you know the higher power or the universe will i trust the universe to do what's right mm -hmm. um how do you engage that thought on right um right. i'm sure you engage it because i i think it comes from artists um as as far as how it's uh, permeated the culture of them using right. it in their interviews and people picking up on it and that's what how um how they uh think about like a higher power Right, right, right. Well, I mean, I will say, I, I, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in New York. So, I mean, even outside of artists, you know, you hear it in New York, you hear it in the, in the city, you hear, you know, young, you know, the universe. And, and a part of me, like, I, like, I get it. I think some of it comes from the desire to disassociate themselves with organized religion, you know. Um, so rather than say God and kind of, you know, uh, construct this man-made mechanism, you know, in order to be inclusive and again, to disassociate myself from the establishment, the universe seems like a very, you know, open, you know, uh, tolerant, uh, you know, accessible thing to say. And not that I, like, I've, I've gotten into a few of those conversations, not much because, you know, like my, like, I don't want to go back and forth with semantics you know, versus, you know, really, I want to introduce you to Christ and why this is, but in the times that I do, you know, I mean, it's a very simple, you know, even using a, a little bit of, you know, apologetic, you know, thought, all right, let's think through this. You're, you're saying the universe, so you're claiming deity to something that's scientifically breaking down, you know, the law of thermodynamics, you know, you know, the, you know, things, you know, fall apart, you know, the universe is expanding. So one, that means it had a beginning, you know, so it's, it's so then it's going to have an end, you know, so the just, you know, rationally to uh, to give deity, to give lordship, to give godship to something that is dying, to an entity that is dying. I think, you know, using their reasoned, you know, rational God given minds that does seem inconsistent um, versus, you know, giving the the praise, the the acknowledgement. Uh, to the creator of that thing, you know, even if you don't regard it as God, you know, even if at this point you, you, you're unwilling to re regard it as Yahweh or Jehovah, again, just reason would tell us that the universe can't be deity. The universe can't be the most high, you know. Um, so that's where if, you know, in, in those conversations, if, if they do come up, that's where I try to appeal to. And, and again, that doesn't, you know, uh, you know, you know, make exclusive the claims of of Christ specifically, or or you know, or or the, or the God of the Bible. But what it does do is it puts that pebble in their shoe to at least acknowledge that okay, maybe this 
this this reason, this rational reason that I've been using, maybe it's a bit flawed, and and hopefully they okay. Now, why do I think like that? I, I was I I was telling the, one of my my coworkers, and I, and I, I've said this before. I believe that if Christianity now now just just rock me real quick because it's going to sound kind of ridiculous, but you hold me. I believe if Christianity came out like two days ago, most people would would, would be Jesus followers. Every time I get into a conversation with someone or, or you know, we, we, we're talking about, you know, why they're not Christians or why they don't go to church, it rarely, if ever, has anything to do with Christ. It always has to do with, well, the church did this, the Christian did this, or the, I don't, the Bible, I don't understand this and that, that. It rarely, if ever, has to do with Jesus Christ. And again, I, and, I, and I bring that up kind of uh, dovetailing on what I just spoke about the universe is that, um, people's desire to disassociate themselves from what they perceive to be the oppressive establishment. Um, it, it's, there's this quote by, uh, I think, George MacDonald, I, I could be, he says, or Malcolm Muggeridge, he says that we have educated ourselves into imbecility. And, and, and that's what I find that, you know, we, 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 uh, we want to disassociate ourselves so much from, you know, what we regard as, uh, you know, the, the establishment um, that we educate ourselves you know, and, we, and we get this knowledge and I use knowledge with air quotes and we get so much knowledge that we've educated ourselves into ignorance. And that's the, and, 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 and what's worse than ignorance is ignorance that thinks itself to be brilliance. That's the mm -hmm. hardest thing to go through. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the end. <laughs> so, um, so you find it as you're talking about kind of your strategy for engaging, you find that you kind of pick your battles what that you're going to discuss um, as it relates to, you know, are we going to tackle what you're calling the universe uh, and how you're relating it to deity? Are we going to tackle that? Uh, what things in the conversations? I want to get real practical because okay. people are engaging people on on this level every day at mm. work. Um, and so they're trying to figure out how do I navigate the conversation? How do you determine what, which points you're going to, going to hone in on, or if I'm right. going to deal with the universe thing, or if I'm right. going to do something else, or if I'm going to deal with church, her, how do you navigate that? There's, um, uh, this term in acting parlance where we say, you know, finding your objective, you know, uh, what's my motivation? You know, what do, what do I want in a scene? And what it is, is you, uh, regardless of what the lines are, regardless of, you know, what's, uh, you know, the blocking is, meaning like where you go, you know, uh, physically in a scene, you're always to, to, to go towards your objective, to meet your objective. What that does, that makes the scene interesting. That makes, it's obviously more fun on stage to do that. Um, but, there's also, uh, I guess, um, uh, a parallel in life. You know, uh, you play your objective, and within the context of, you know, engaging, you know, different people for Christ, my objective is always, always, always to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that is always the objective. That that's my end game. Um, regardless of how I start, you know, where the journey takes me and may take me over to, you know, philosophy or not even talking about something, you know, at a particular, you know, time. But my objective, what's in my head is always to point someone ultimately to the person of Jesus Christ. And that should be the objective 
for any apologetic discourse. You know, um, engaging in banter back or forth or, you know, apologetic discourse just for the sake of, you know, I know this, I know that, I know this, I know that, that, that glorifies nothing but yourself. Um, so that's never been an interest of mine at all, nor a desire. Um, so with that, because that's my objective, um, there's never like a script with uh, you know people because people are people. They're individuals. They're not. They're not uh, projects. You know. They're not. You know. Notches to get on my evangelistic. You know. Belt. You know. I talk to this one or, or quotas or anything like that. You know. People are people, and 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 we would do right to treat people like they're people and not projects. So with that, because there is no script. You know, I, I get to engage and, and, you know, actually be friends, you know, with with someone or I mean, maybe not friends, you know, but at least some there's a relationship there. And once we're in that relationship, you know, we get, you know, I get to learn about them. They get to learn about me. Ultimately, my faith is going to come up, not because I, I shoehorn it into a, a conversation, but it absolutely does come up now again sharing the gospel is always in the back of my mind. So eventually it is going to get there eventually. Um, so it's not like, you know, this happenstance and, oh, you know, it just so happens. No, it's it's always been there. So there is some intentionality there. But in, in as far as me having a script that I give to everyone, no, that, that's never, that's never the case. Um, you know, and sometimes like I, you know, I'll have conversations where the person I'm talking to is as high as a kite, you know, or or they, you know, didn't had a bunch of beers and they're a little they're a little tipsy or something like that. You know, it comes how it comes. But the point is to always be available, be willing, you know, and know what your objective is, because if you know what your objective is and, it's, and, and if it's the gospel, then regardless of how you get there, you're going to get there. You know, um, so that's the I guess I don't know if that's as practical because it doesn't give step by step. But but it, but but. I'm, I'm always wary to give people uh, formulas and scripts because it makes people the people that you're talking to feel like they're just, you know, a quota. They're just, you know, you, you, the only reason you're talking to me is to proselytize to me and, and that you know, is a gate uh, right there, you know. Mm -hmm. And that, that's definitely helpful because I think even like a lot of evangelism training is a step-by-step -step guide to how to get somebody to um, to salvation. Right. And so then when you like go out on evangelism um, um, days or you hit the street or wherever, the people have these step-by-step -step instructions on how to get somebody to convert. Right. Um, and without realizing that those step-by-steps is sometimes the reason why people won't convert. Uh, Cause they feel like, like you're saying, you're just trying to get a notch in your belt or a check off that you did something without really engaging them as human beings. Right. And, and, and not, and, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, that doesn't um, remove you as the believer, as a Christian, from knowing wh what the gospel is. You know, you, you absolutely should do that. And, and, and that actually helps inform how you do engage, because, like, it's kind of like, you know, basketball. You know, I remember when Allen Iverson came out, you know, and Allen Iverson had his sick handles and whatnot. And you had a bunches of, you know, young kids 
you know, not working on fundamentals and going quickly to this and that and this and that. And they were sloppy and it was like a couple couple years of just awful, awful, awful basketball. And you got a Kobe Bryant who is able to do a lot of that, but he practices fundamentals. And I believe knowing the gospel is the fundamentals. If you know the fundamentals, then you can riff. Then you can go off, you know, and, you know, then you can, you know, divert over here and, and because you know that, okay, this is the, the trail to get back. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, there are people that, you know, uh, having them understand their sin is paramount. Um, having them understand, I mean, it's paramount for everyone, but in this particular case, understanding, no, no, Jesus didn't just come as a moral leader. He came because we're broken. You know, he came because the chasm between myself and God is deep and unjumpable. You know, we're broken. And unless you understand how broken you are, me going into why, you know, the universe is not the universe or, you know, this is it's null and void because you still think yourself to be a great person, you know. Um, but then there's sometimes the people, you know, like when, when I was in England, I, I used to uh, go to the I'm sorry, something coming up. My phone. I used to go to the prisons to do, um, um, you know, to do outreach, talk to inmates, you know, we chop it up and. The irony is, you know, now I don't know if it's ironic, but many of the prisoners, like, or the, or the inmates, we never had to go into, like, you know, this sin. Yada. They, they absolutely knew how broken they were. They absolutely knew how broken they were. Because for them, they had the, the living representation of being behind bars and having their freedom taken away from them to affirm, yes, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. Now, whether they accept Christ as a different thing, but they were very aware of their depravity. We on the outside um, tend to, and especially if you've had success as an artist or anything, but in this case, as an artist, as an actor, performer, if you've had a lot of a success and you got, you know, people, you know, you know, kissing your, your backside, you know, figuratively, um, and you have, you know, like money like that and, and, and you're beautiful and, and, and you're articulate, um, to hear that you're broken, to hear that you're uh, that there's no way in and of yourself that you could uh, please God or or earn His salvation is a large pill to swallow. Is a hard pill to swallow. In fact, many times that's the that's the line drawn in the sand. All right, yeah, man, Jesus is cool. Yeah, man, Jesus. Yeah, man, He loves and and I need. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You telling me I'm to pray? You telling me that there's no way I can I can meditate? I can't meditate enough. I can't, you know, go to the. I can't do yoga enough. I can't, you know, go to the, you know, be centered enough to earn it. You know, to hear that, nah, B, nah, you can't do that. That is, I mean, you can do it, but it ain't gonna put you in no better standing with God. That's hard. Um, so for those people, yeah, absolutely. Hearing that, no, no, you need, you need a savior. Not that, not just that Jesus is a good idea. Now you actually need him. And this is why you need him. Jesus says, don't lie. And we lie. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now that may sound easy to you, but which one of y'all love your neighbor as yourself? Better than yourself. Which one of y'all love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul? You know, Jesus says, do all those things that the easy loving Jesus tells you, gives you a standard that you can't possibly meet. How do you how do you how do you reconcile that? So that's how these conversations go. They're, they're, they're far more organic than 
structure. The only structure in it is the understanding of what the gospel is. Something I want to ask you because you're dealing in a world where people have a measure of success on some levels. It depends on what uh, acting circle. Um, how are they? How, how does it? How do I want to ask this? With the recent um, suicides of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, you see that success for many people, outward success is not enough. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that something um, that you see frequently in, in in some of the spaces you occupy? And how do you minister to that? Right. Um, it's funny. I'm actually like, trying to write something based on that because I, I hear um, many of my colleagues, uh, both who are you know artists and who are actually even Christians as well, you know they they talk about they they immediately go to mental illness, which is absolutely legitimate, absolutely um, uh, relevant to the discussion um, of of suicide, of of you know of of all those things. They're absolutely relevant. Um, but many times, what I don't hear is um, we live in a world where uh feeling good is equated to happiness mm -hmm. and if i don't feel good i'm not happy and 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 we have that pumped in through media we have that pumped in through our music we even have it pumped into a lot of our church songs we have it pumped into you know like it's it's constantly pumped into us that you know feeling good equals being happy and the fact is it is impossible to feel good all the time and if you have not now i'm 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 sort of simplifying what i've been thinking about but if you if you have that view that happiness equates to feeling good inevitably you're not going to feel good and there you know we have death that doesn't we have loss of loved ones we have what um uh, uh jim carrey said this one thing he says he said that uh and it is a great saying he said that he hopes that everyone that's pursuing su success achieves it so that they can find that they need more. And and what he means is that, you know, like if if your if if your uh goal in life is to chase success, I hope you find it because then you'll realize that you, you need something else. Success doesn't 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 sustain you. And the thing is if you haven't been taught or have it or haven't had the mindset that um Or, or, or ways to deal with lack of happiness, you know, that that don't uh, include a pill or don't include, you know, something, um, I don't know, medicinal or anything like that. If you haven't found a way to cope, then eventually our society is is built towards, yeah, you know, I mean, since my life is my own and since I'm not happy with it, I have every right to end it. So I, I don't I don't see it as a as a as a shock i mean i don't know if that's the right word but for lack of a better word i don't see it as a shock that the increase of suicides have have, have risen like I, I read recently that suicide is the second killer um second largest killer for people with 10 to 17 years old and that makes a, a kind of a sick sense you know if, if you again if you've been kind of pumped in that happiness and you've been given the ways to cope of course so i haven't gotten to those conversations yet I'm still kind of mulling over how I want to, because it, 
I don't want to be insensitive, you know, because suicide is a real thing and, and people are losing their loved ones, their children, their grandparents, you know, to, you know, to, to these things. So, you know, I haven't quite, you know, mold over how I want to, how I want to uh, couch it, but, um, but if I were to tentatively engage into that conversation, um, that's sort of kind of where I would go. You know, the fact that we kind of live in a culture that in some ways endorses suicide. You know, if your life ain't happy, you know, and your life is yours, you know, it's not God's, it's yours, you know, why, why not end it? You know, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm still mulling, mulling that over, but, but I know eventually uh, more and more of those conversations I'm gonna, I'm gonna engage in. Um, yeah. Cause it's happening more and more. Yeah, I think a balance in the conversation is is, is important because um, I hear even when we're talking about like school shootings or suicide. Right, the, right. The the um, go to is mental illness. Right. And so then you'll say, well, some of these people that are doing these drastic school shootings aren't mentally ill. They are fully aware what they are doing. They're just full of evil. Um, right. And full yeah. of themselves. Um, and yeah. so, and then on the flip side, when we're talking about suicide, there is um, a lack of treatment for so many that are struggling with mental mm -hmm. illness. Mm -hmm. And so many are struggling in silence and not getting the help they need, um, whether it's a therapist, whether it be medicine. Um, so that is a, a real thing. But also mm -hmm. on the counter, there are some people who don't struggle with mental illness um, mm -hmm. and commit suicide. So it right. is a balance of knowing which side of the coin you're on. Um, right. But it's hard to tell that usually because the person is gone. So you don't you're not able to kind of interview them to see where they were in their right. mental state leading up to that. So that's that's kind of the the catch 22 on that one. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It's interesting how uh, success is never sufficient. Um, right. The eyes of men are never satisfied. And I, I mean, you can on a basic level. I remember graduating from high school and being excited. But then you're on to the next big thing. So it's right. like right. I got to go to college. And then when you finish with college, you're that last semester, you're excited because you're about to graduate. And then you graduate and it's like. Okay, what's next? And so what's you have next? These, what's next? Yeah, you have these high expectations for moments. You know, there are several things that I've achieved even with Jude three. And then I'm like, okay, what's the next thing we're gonna mm -hmm. do? Because it's every peak or every goal that you set, it's never it's ultimately never enough because only Christ satisfies. Um I right. remember Diddy, and, and, and it's okay, and I'm sorry. Oh, Oh, I was going to say, I remember Diddy said that he missed most of his greatest moments early on because he was always looking for the next thing. So most of the success he got when he had first Grammy and Missing You came out and it was a big kid and all of those things, a lot of those things were a blur to him because he was so busy focused on the next thing that he didn't focus on what he was achieving in that moment. Right. And I think right. that's what it's, it's depressing if you're always looking for another mountain to climb. And that, and, and I, and, and, and I agree. And that, because I wonder about like my brothers and sisters that are, or our brothers and sisters that are like in, 
uh, you know, the, the Middle East or Asia or, um, or even, you know, certainly the continent, uh, you know, the continent of Africa, you know, um, I, I, I wonder if the suicide rate has gone up at all or as much as it's gone up in the West. I think I'm inclined to believe that our, you know, this notion of, you know, you know, constantly pursue, 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 pursue success um, is more of a Western phenomenon. Like we have this, you know, like these ideas of, of, um, you know, uh, stuff will make me happy. You know, the, the accumulation of stuff will make me happy. Um, as opposed to um, what I find a lot of, you know, brothers in, in the East and sisters in the East, you know, things like, you know, family or, you know, a rootedness in, you know, their, their uh, whether it's Yahweh or, or even in, in Islam to some degree, you know, you know, a rootedness in, 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 in an acknowledgement that stuff will never fill um, what's ultimately important. You know, stuff is a good pacifier, you know. Um, I used to use this analogy that, you know, I don't really drink soda like that anymore, especially like the, like Coke, whatnot. But, you know, like when I was a kid, you know, when you get thirsty, like you see the commercials with it, he's drinking the, the Coke bottle and the, the sweat is dripping on it. And you're like, ah. and it wasn't until like I was in my 20s, I was like, man, every time I drink soda, it makes me thirstier. It makes me thirstier, thirstier, thirstier. And then on top of that, I drink it and drink it and drink it. And not only do, do I, I'm drinking all this soda, but it, the sugar is also like not good for my body either. And that's kind of like how how stuff is, you know, like it'll quench your thirst maybe in the moment, but then you find like you need more. And you need more and you need more. And you and you just, you know, it like begets, 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 begets. And while it's begetting, it's it's eating away at certain you know, maybe, you know, groundedness or moral sensibilities as opposed to, you know, Christ. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that Christ calls himself not the, the living Kool-Aid or the living, you know, uh, orange juice. He calls himself the living water, you know, because water satisfies, you know, water quenches that thirst. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's a perfect illustration for it. Uh, because I was, uh, USA Today had an article, and I'm trying to find the quote uh, before we close, because I thought it was so great. But um, USA Today wrote an article about, you know, Americans are depressed and suicidal because something is wrong with our culture. Mm. And it says, we exist largely disconnected from our extended families, friends, and communities, except in shallow interactions of social media. Because we are too busy trying to make it, in quotes, without realizing that once you reach your goal, it won't be enough. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and yeah, I think that, 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 that's essentially it. Yeah. That's essentially it. <laughs> I, I wanted to say before we close, just because you had asked the question, and I don't know if I really gave a, a or at least as thoughtful of an answer as I wanted to, but in as far as um, to your question about engaging artists, or engaging like that context. I mean, it's not that different than I think just our society as it exists right now, but I think more than anything, um, authenticity, as opposed to like a good, you know, uh, philosophic apologetic, um, and, and, they're, and that's great. At, and, and you should mull over and think through tough questions and what, you know, affects, 
you know, our world, you know, whether it's social justice, whether it's suicide, whether it's politics, you know, you should think through these things and see how our faith or your faith affects or responds to this. However, um, that along with authenticity, um, deep thought, and I'm and I'm and I'm this is being affirmed and, and reaffirmed so much, especially recently, loving them, loving your neighbor. Love is such an underrated, overstated tool that especially as followers of Jesus Christ we have. If we, if we as believers claim to follow the God who says that he is love, you know, and Jesus says that, you know, you love them like I, like I love you. Um, if we were to really engage in that, you know, um, I, I, th I think a lot of the, 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 the places where we get stumped for answers, answers would, wouldn't even, not that they wouldn't, be uh, needed, but not to the degree that I think we get, we, we kind of psych ourselves out. Oh, I don't know all the answers. I don't know the question. I don't know the answer to this. I don't know the answer to this. Man, love is, and, I, and obviously I don't mean like the Hollywood, you know, uh, willy nilly, you know, sometimey version of love. I mean, like really, you know, loving your neighbor as, 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 as Christ has loved you, you know, and many times our neighbor doesn't look like us, doesn't pray like us, you know, don't, you know, uh, have the same, you know, romantic relationships that we have, you know, um, but, but authentic love and care, that's a great apologetic. Mm -hmm. That is a great apologetic. And it's a challenge for many because what I've discovered is most people, uh, I won't say most people, but a lot of people have never been loved um, right. in a way that's, the most helpful sometimes right. and so they don't they can't demonstrate um what hasn't been they can't you know love people because it hasn't been demonstrated for them especially if they've had abandonment right um and different things so they're struggling with what love looks like right. um out of romantic relationships so right. a lot of people can they they understand the concept of loving romantically platonically they struggle mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's helpful that we give people the tools on what it looks like to love people that are not, that you're not trying to marry or date, but right. love people even outside of your family that are just friends, um, in a platonic way. Right. Um, right. I think it's hard for a lot of people. So I think the church has to do a better job in using better examples. Cause often when we talk about love, we go straight to a romantic example and so it subconsciously feeds this thing where I only know how to love in one one dimension. Right, and and I and I, I know you're rapping. I you know that's when I always again I guess maybe this is the, the, the a good bookend. I always go back to Christ, you know, because I you know like I, I grew up not knowing my father. You know I, I you know I I had you know I've been very deeply heartbroken by you know women or you know what have you. like I you know all of those things. Um, my prayer, especially within the last year, has been like, I want to love others like Jesus loves me. Jesus is my example. You know, um, you know, Jesus loves me better than anyone. And and it's not just a, a love that he says, but there's 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 demonstration. Like he shows us how he 
loved women. He shows us how he interacted with men. He shows us how he loved those that, that didn't love him. Like, so we have, uh, for, for the people that are were abused, that were unloved, that were, you know, like we have an example. Now, as followers of Jesus Christ, our job is to be ex the examples to others that Christ has been to us. You know, so so for those people that you're speaking about, which are which are legitimate and valid, that don't have those representations, we as believers, as Jesus followers, have that example. And 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 our job is to be like how the moon is to the sun. Like the moon doesn't have light of its own; it reflects the the light of the sun. That's how we're to be as believers. We're to reflect the light of the sun to people. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's excellent that you said that we are you're praying that love people like Christ loved you. And I oftentimes we hear love your spouse like Christ loved the church. Right, and so right. people have this program where they say, Yeah, I, I gotta love my spouse the way Christ loved the church. Right, right. But I don't know if I gotta Not love everybody, people. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So they have that distinction because we're making mm -hmm that distinction between romantic and platonic. And so if we could program people to say, mm -hmm. love everybody like right. Christ loved you and gave right. himself for you, then we may, people, it might for in their minds start changing the dynamic right, right. of how they love people and how they are to apply Christ's love. Mm -hmm. What books would you recommend uh, for, for uh, those who are wanting to engage um, some apologetics resources that have been extremely helpful for you? And also how can people get in contact with you on social media? Right, right, right. Um, well, I would definitely be remiss if I didn't uh, invite people to read Jesus Among Other Gods by Ravi Zacharias. Now it is, uh, you know, Ravi doesn't, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it can be a little uh, academic, Academic or wordy, but 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 Ravi also tells you know like stories in there and whatnot. Um, but that 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 book really helped me um, a lot. It opened a lot of doors. Um, Mere Christianity, um, believe it or not, by C.S. Lewis was an awesome foundational tool because again, if if you have apologetics with no foundation, a, a failure is inevitable because you have nothing sustaining you. But you know you know, random branches of knowledge. Um, so mere Christianity, uh, Jesus among other gods. And um, I gave this book to someone recently and it was for a specific reason, but I think it can act as a kind of a jump off to, to other things. It's actually, again, by Ravi Zacharias. It's called The Lotus and the Cross. It's an imaginary conversation between Jesus and Buddha. And it really, uh, you know, because a lot of, you know, Buddhism has kind of, or that Eastern, uh, you know, religions have kind of bled into Western culture, whether it's in, you know, New Age or whatever people call it. Um, and in that conversation, you see, because I've heard a lot that, you know, Jesus was just like Buddha. Jesus is like, and I'm like, yeah, they have things that they've agreed on, but they have a whole bunch of things where they where they parted ways. And I think if you understand it and see why Jesus is so distinct from, you know, Gautama Buddha, then that will definitely, you know, open you up and, and get a more clearer picture of who Jesus was and what he and what he taught. So yeah, those three. And how can people get a hold on you on social media? 
Oh yeah. So on uh on IG uh is his name is Warner because my name people for some reason want to call me Warren. So I have to constantly say, no, my name is Warner. So yes, on IG, it's his is at his name is Warner, W-A-R-N-E-R, -E like Warner Brothers. On Twitter, same thing. His name is Warner. And on uh, Facebook, uh, Warner Joseph Miller. Also, Warner, well, this has been a great time. We had several technical difficulties, but I'm we did. glad we, we persevered. <laughs> uh, and I, I appreciate the work you're doing. And I think this conversation will be extremely helpful to all those who hear it. Um, and so thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate you, sis. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching G3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.